to DMnastics. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, a.k.a. Jote Moniac. And I am not alone, because with me is none other than... That's right, DM Keel, otherwise known as Mr. Keel, or otherwise known as Matt Keel, from the Detentions and Dragons podcast. And after seeing your email address and realizing that your middle initial is probably also M, there is nothing you can convince me other than it is clearly... Matthew Matthew Keel. Oh my gosh. I don't want to hear a debate about it. My mom was a maniac, but I was an extremely long labor that ended in a C-section. So if she wants to call me Matthew Matthew Keel, it is her right. Thanks, mom. So today, we are already talked off air. This is a super funny conversation because it's all, hey, how's the weather? That's that's it. Welcome. Welcome. Wait, what did I actually title this? Uh, It's like... Raindrops keep falling on your dead or something. Raindrops keep falling. Now we're dead. Okay. So today we are going to be talking about the weather in your fantasy world because I feel like it is understated more than it should be. And I only say that because there are things in the game that are mechanically dependent on weather. So saying what the weather is like is twofold. I mean, Immersion for your players, immersion for you, is, I guess that counts as one. And if that counts as two, threefold, because it could also layer into what a person can do. I have a druid. They always cast lightning spells. They always want to be outside, and they always want there to mm-hmm. be a storm. Neil, and I know that from my life personally, the number one conversation that I have with my parents is, how's the weather? Do you know what the temperature is? Hey, is it raining up there? Is it snowing up there? How's the temperature? It's cool down there. What's the humidity like? Weather is clearly important to people. So why not integrate more weather into your fantasy Dungeons and Dragons game or TTRPG than by just being conscious and thoughtful about it? Yeah. And like and it could be the thing that warrants more investigation. Is the weather different than it's supposed to be? Do the players over here, people complaining about the weather? Oh, it's never been this hot this time of year. Mm -hmm. Or, wow, look at all this rain. We never get rain at all. So why do we have any? And so you could lead them. I mean, you could lead them astray, but that's not really what I want. No, (laughs) no. But I think, for example, like one aspect of D&D that sort of gets ignored is that pillar of exploration. And we always tend to focus on the trees, the mountains, maybe the river, but like the thing that kills people isn't the mountain. It's the exposure. It is the weather that is like bringing down adventurers. So we are here, we are planting our flag in the earth, and we are declaring weather to be the most important part of your Dungeons and Dragons game. So we are going to talk about it today. Where do we start? I'm, I'm a guest here. What do we do? Well, perfect. If you check the show notes, there is going to be a link to the map of the world of Dayayan Bay, uh, the forum-created collective world that is basically the podcast world. Um, it's where both of my home tables are set, and as an easy touch point, I posted that map. That way you can say, bam, here is a named place that I can visualize what would the weather be like in this specific location. Sure. I saw this wonderful map. It looks fantastic. This isn't some scrub map. I think we've probably talked about 
this before, or you have, Devin Rue. That's a pretty good map maker. Just putting it out there. Yeah. Someone who's done, who has now done work for a wish, a wishful, a wishful wizard water, who has now done work for official wizards products. Um, and I think I will have mentioned this. I will mention this next episode as well, um, is that this was the first one she ever did digitally. So she had taken a lot of time and care to like really see what she could do. And the original file for this is 75 megabytes just for Heck yeah. the single image. So amazing. Um, yeah. The ability to zoom um, at an unreasonable. Oh, wait. Oh, my kay. gosh. You can zoom. You can zoom a lot. Yeah. I'm loving Here it. Here you go. So this is a leather etched version of part of the world that I have now in my hand. Oh, that is wonderful. Where does one purchase a, something like this? Uh, because I didn't do for for multiple reasons. I did not do the like I didn't purchase basically the exclusive rights to it because I would oh, rather sure. prefer um, it be available to anybody like that. That's the essence of the yeah. world itself. Mm -hmm. um, so if you go to her website, you can do that. I have I have a like full print, like front and back shirt of it, which seems really cool until you put it on. It doesn't feel as cool when you're wearing it. Conceptually, though, felt like a great idea. When do we get the full back tattoo? Oh, I, well, I mean, I'll just take the shirt in and just be like, can you just screen press this onto <laughs> my body? Yeah, just not even the little needle thing, the needle gun. No, just burn it into my flesh. But yeah, so you can check. Uh, well, you know what? I'll have a link in the show notes. Um, there's a whole section for this map. Very cool. So who from the forums and and or discord did you want to highlight um, in terms of the information that they have provided okay deal so i want to highlight i think i'm pronouncing this name correctly this is silver dragon patreon member oodles or zero zero does and yes. i mean i think this is super wonderful here's the thing i recently over the summer I went to the ocean. This sounds very generic. It was Sweden. I'm from Minnesota. We have Lake Superior, kind of ocean-like, but not the same. So to wake up and like be in an area where you can see the ocean and you can feel that ocean wind, sometimes smell rotting seaweed, which is not my favorite thing. This post reminded me of that experience, and I like how we could integrate a little fantasy twist and intrigue into the setting so should i read it yep stepping out of the fisherman's hut along whiskey bay after a long night of drink hearty fish stew and tales of the area the party heads out onto the beach and confronts the calm still morning surf the cool bright air slowly drifts in of the waves washing ashore but the comforting cadence of the waves come in and out all night has changed they are faster and larger now and noticeably growing as the minutes pass the horizon is clear and calm as it ever was but even the gulls are no longer stirring time to leave <laughs> how about yeah how about a little creepiness there i think that this really is a call to action it is number one 
to leave. Number two, maybe it's to evacuate the town. Or maybe number three, maybe it's to find out what is causing this. Because maybe it's not just weather, but maybe it is supernatural weather. Yeah. Or I think of when that, you know, the tide disappears and it's like well that means there's a tsunami everyone because there's only so much water and it went and got taller out there and it's gonna come back Mm -hmm. yeah so it is very much an omen of uh, not just an omen it is just like a literal factor or variable of like events that are to come and i think that sometimes in like the DD world our players take a little bit too much time sometimes they're a little bit relaxed about what are they going to do and how are they going to solve the problem and i like the idea that you don't necessarily have to give them like a stopwatch timer but to really emphasize this idea that there's not a lot of time to plan you got to react to the situation because things are going to get spicy well and i like the idea that because my first thought is if they're at really regular intervals is it something just in the water walking towards the shore oh snap seriously that's that's it that's cool that's cool man because i was just thinking waves but you're right a thing stepping in the water could be making the waves well and i think underneath the water what if it's because the whole storm giant thing they can live at the depths of the ocean or the highest peaks what if it's like a storm giant invasion and they're all in step Uh uh-huh wow you better not be in this sleepy fisherman's town because you're gonna get wrecked so my players were actually what's funny is they were actually in whiskey bay recently and because it is so far north i can kind of like that's kind of where my head is at with the storm giants and i feel like you'll appreciate this i made a a verbal mistake sure i i I feel like i corrected it quickly um but i said oh you've reached whiskey bay a pirate themed town and i said no wait no no, 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 it's a pirate-owned town, because as soon as I said themed, I was just like, I was like, no, everyone, please don't. No, that's, pirate-themed town is so much better, because, no, yes, it is, it's so much better, because you live in California, aren't there just towns that are just themed after, like, Holland and Germany, and you, like, go to the like the main street and they all just look like German chalets and things like that. I love the idea that people were so dedicated to the world of pirates. They said, yes, our chamber of commerce, we are going to put up pirate statues. We are going to make everything pirate themed. We've never actually seen a pirate before. So about 20 minutes away, there's a town called Kingsburg that is basically very Dutch themed. And yes. there are windmills. That's there the one are- I'm thinking of. There are horses nearby, like Heck, little horses. Yes. Yeah. Little horses? So, so, like, horse statues, like, throughout Main Street that are painted up. Mm. Oh, I'm just, I'm really dying to get there. This sounds like a blast. Yeah. I'm not even joking. Minnesota did that with Snoopy statues, and it was, like, the best two years oh, of my life. Okay. That's a solid choice. And also, I know that, like, so in my town, where all the, like, electri- electrical boxes are, yeah. they're basically hired street artists to just paint them all over. That's super fun. And then... There's also one town where it's all of the fire hydrants are repainted. Again, just finding all sorts of venues for art. Just to make the mundane just a little bit more exciting. Yeah, so there's near the courthouse in the town I'm in, there's a giant electrical box. And what they've done is paint giant butterfly wings on it. So then when you stand against it, 
they're your backdrop and look like they're your butterfly wings. I mean, hit up the Instagram. You got to look good for those likes. Get it for the gram. For the gram. But so, yeah, I just was really compelled by this one. I like just even from this discussion, all of the possible like things this could be. It could be natural. It could be supernatural. It could be like you were saying, um, some type of like monstrous being or entity. There is a level of creativity that I love. And I think it's one of those things where maybe you even just put it out there and the players are like, oh yeah, I think it's like this gigantic bobbing jellyfish that's erupting from the ocean floor. And you're like, that's right. That's exactly what I planned the entire time. How did you know? And then you're like, a little bit of improv. Making nice. the collaboration work. Pseudopod attack with uh, stinging poison. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So what about you? What inspired you from the forums or the Discord? So I will pick a, a forum post from none other than Tofu Propaganda. And they say, after leaving the quaint farming village nestled amongst rolling green hills for the first time, the party enters the plains land to the east. The air is dry and dusty, and the heat is creeping up as the sun continues to rise in the sky each day. Scarce shrubs and small trees amongst the tall grass give minimal cover from the sun rays beating down on the heads of the party. So basically, also, if you're doing it from a mechanical perspective, um, you can basically require more water of the party as they travel through this arid now, when I first read this, I misread it, Neil. And when it said crunchy survival stuff, because again, sometimes we play little loosey-goosey with D&D rules, and sometimes you're really asking your players just exactly how many gold pieces do you have in your pack, because those things have mass and weight. So I read it as crunchy stealth check and i'm thinking about like you're in these scrublands and every time you're like taking a step it's just like you're crackling on tumbleweed and things like that so or if you you think of like when i think of like the salt flats where they do like the land speed records and Mm -hmm. the, the even the ground itself is bent up and basically cracking underneath your step so that's what i thought of Yeah, I think it's pretty neat because here's the thing. We love deserts. Dune, Star Wars, Aladdin. Everyone is about deserts. (laughs) But what about Scrublands? I think Scrublands, they're really kind of like the setting for Westerns. But we don't do a lot of Western stuff anymore for reasons. But like, I really like tapping into this, like the environment of like inhospitable, like things still live there, but like it is very, very hard for survival and humanoids who are so water dependent, like they have a really hard time like surviving in that area. So I I do like the, like the survival that you could integrate into your campaign when you're in this scrubland area. Well, no, I really like the idea of it could be an area that's completely unknown. And that the party is the first ones going there. But like you said, they, just because we can't live there doesn't mean something can't live there. And so, like, I really, really like the idea of requiring stealth in an area you wouldn't naturally think of. Because, like, when you think stealth, you think, I'm in a cavern, I'm in a mm-hmm. dungeon, it's very dark, where it's like, well, no, 
you need to be quiet because you're going to attract too much attention out in this open area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this could be for some type of peoples that inhabit this land, or it could be like stealth checks from like predators that like somehow exist with this environment. So I just love that idea. (laughs) I just envisioned actual predators um, from the movie. And that's why you need to be quiet. And they're very dusty. And they have a yes. and they have a cowboy hat. Perfect. Well, sir, I think we've done it. Fantastic, Neil. That means you and I get to lift the mental weights. Lifting weights is what I do. Look at me. Lift these weights. Okay, so my thought is, since you have access to the map, is there a part of the map that is speaking to you? It says, hey, talk about my weather. Neil, I think that the part that is kind of speaking to me, being in Minnesota, it's autumn. I'm looking at the Scarlet Forest. It is red, and it is by the Mystic Sea. I have not been to the Scarlet Forest. Tell me. Tell me a tale. Tell. This is your land, isn't it? Shouldn't you know a little bit more about the Scarlet Forest? Or is this a collaborative world setting? So it is a collaborative world setting, but one of the things was when Devin originally made the map, I had very few areas that were really defined, but I had the totality of the map done with basic rough, rough areas of these are mountains, these are hills, these are forests. But for the most part, I hadn't really named much of anything. So a lot of the names are from her Very cool. and then have gone undefined so like one place was called empress forest and i didn't know why until i got there with the party and basically there was an undead lich empress with a town of undead in there but basically druids had grew this forest around them to basically force them to stay so that is why it's called the empress forest now oh so that's pretty cool i mean other than its color i do not know yet now why it is called the scarlet forest And we will learn a little bit more, right, by whatever you say. Okay, so the Scarlet Forest, clearly the color of the leaves, a deep, deep, rich blue color. Just kidding. They are going to be uh, scarlet. Now, I think when we're thinking about weather and we're thinking about a forest, is there something that we could do with... For example, like a rainforest. Now, there are multiple types. There's tropical and there's going to be like your non-tropical rainforest. So could we have some sort of maybe daily sort of weather cycle that is taking place in the Scarlet Forest? Yes, because the notable place directly next to it is called the Mystic Sea. So maybe there is something about this mystic sea that is feeding into the scarlet forest into the scarlet forest i don't know if it is magic if it is some sort of like potentially maybe it's like a like an ore or a mineral is being carried by this current and it's being absorbed by the roots uh, within this forest maybe this is what is tinting uh, the actual leaves this scarlet color but But yeah, I want to think about some type of interplay with the atmosphere and weather conditions. So, I mean, is it too kind of cliche to just say that there's some type of rain that happens daily? 
No, I, well, I mean, because it's still weird because this is kind of in the middle of the continent. But what if like the, you know, the water cycle that we all learned <laughs> that we all learned in school? What if that's just happening on like a, a the pace of a day? rather than like seasons so basically like it's just re- re- literal rinse and repeat every single day in this area okay so this idea of like these torrential downpours mm-hmm. okay so is the rain red color does it look like blood or is it just like normal like rain color i mean it uh, i can't decide i mean i feel like i mean blood Blood rain. Hi, welcome to Hop Topic. My name is yeah. is Emo. So I like the idea of it, especially if I would say if you're in the forest, like if you if you were above the trees, I would say no, not really. But if it's hitting these trees and, and coming down off of it, I would say yeah. OK, I am loving that aspect of it because it's not necessarily the rain that is the red part. It is the minerals that are leaching in to the raindrops that fall onto the leaves. And maybe that part of that cycle is like those minerals are getting then sent back down. Oh my God, Neil, I just figured it out. The mystic sea isn't mystical because it is mystical. It's mystical because of the runoff that is produced by the Scarlet Forest. So centuries of this quick rain cycle, this like extended, extended, this rapid water cycle, all of this like mineral diffusing into the groundwater, into the sea. That's what's made the mystical sea mystical. So it is the source of that, I guess, this energy or this power or this mystery of the mystic sea. I like it. Cause I also like you had mentioned the possibility of it being a mineral or, or, or O R E. And the idea that that vein of mineral could be the reason that the Scarlet forest is where it is. Cause you can also kind of see some runoffs of trees similar to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea is like, they're not going to grow like this anywhere else because this is where that mineral is found. I love it. So fast rain cycle. There's a mineral. These roots run extremely, extremely deep into the ground. They pull up whatever our MacGuffin is. That is going to then stain these leaves red. And when the rain happens, washes off, what runoff goes into the ocean makes the actual area, the ocean itself mystical. Here's the question. How does this affect like a person who's just like traversing this woods? Like, you know, like they just pop in for a day or something. Are there any like profound effects on them? You know, we were talking about like trying to add a little bit more of a survival component, you know, incorporating things like weather and that type of thing like that. What do you think? Well, I think the two two thoughts are exposure and then staining. Um, the mm-hmm. idea that like some something about the exposure to it makes you has some sort of negative or potentially positive effect. The other that I think is just has to happen is that it stains everything in an extreme way. Yeah, totally. And I don't think it always has to stain things red. I think it could just stain things weird because 
I'm liking the idea that this is like not a good or a bad place, but it's kind of a weird place. Yeah, especially when you have, well, I think of like flora is obviously the trees and we're dealing with that. But like, is there other flora that is there? And then obviously the subsequent question is, is there fauna that is surviving in this? Well, I'm thinking about how if we're really just working with this idea that the trees are a part of this like resource, the runoff goes into the Mystic Sea, but the runoff can also be absorbed by perhaps plants that wouldn't necessarily be like have roots deep enough to like extract that mineral. So where you might have just like some normal flowers existing in a different area, these flowers that exist within the boundaries of the Scarlet Forest, there's going to be something that is different about them. So I like the idea of unusual effects and especially something to do with exposure. So maybe, for example, the party could encounter a hermit and you could recognize the hermit because their body is stained in a particular color that's really indicative of the Scarlet Forest itself. Or maybe there's some other adverse effect. That was the one that I thought of. I like it. And by George, I think we've done it. We've done it once again. And if you have found the map of Dayambe and you want to tell us about something in that world that speaks to you, whether it's weather or anything else, you can always email us at dmnastics at gmail.com. And of course, if you head over to Twitter, you can find us. All of our stuff is now centralized at DMS underscore block. That's at DMs block. I'm at Joe Moniak. And I believe you have a Twitter, is it? Or where would people, where would you socially direct people to follow all of the things you're doing? Okay. Well, as you might know, Detention of the Dragons basically has wrapped up its run. We got maybe one more final episode just to conclusion episode of the the whole podcast that'll be dropping in a month or two i would say if you're looking to hear from me and what i'm doing enroll in a high school in northern minnesota but you could also go on to itunes we have the whole catalog of detention of the dragons some of the information probably seems a little outdated because 5e has changed a little bit since the first episode of our podcast but go check that out Uh, We'd love to still hear from you, and we'd love to hear if what we did in the classroom inspired you to um, extend D&D to, uh, like, a youth group, your own classroom, maybe your cousins, or maybe even your kid. Uh, And as always, we want to thank the Bards over on Bombarded for an intro and outro music and for everything that they're doing. You can head over to BombardedCast.com. But no need to work out alone, because... You should check out this amazing lifting partner. It's the Damnastic Shim, and you're lifting the thing, but sometimes you need help. It's your lifting partner. Today's lifting partner, because they were directly involved in the lifting process, is none other than Devin Rue herself. If you're not following her, is that, what's, what are you doing? What, what's going what's on? What's wrong there? with you? What are you doing? Just reading books and gardening? Get on the internet. It's cool, people. Yep. Sure enough, if you search Dayimbe, D-A-Y-E-I-M-B-E, on her website, you can still get a print. Bare minimum, you can still get a print that is three foot by 30 inches with or without text. 
Yeah. Oh so my god, that's huge. That's no joke. I also have because I mean because it was mine and I, I was working with her and I I actually have it on cloth at larger than that scale. So it's like in the house. So then like when the party's deciding where to go, we can literally get up, go to the next room and look at the overworld map and start deciding. Heck yeah. So definitely go check it out. And then she typically like there's merch, there's digital tools, there's a cartography course itself. If that if like the idea of map making is the piece of this hobby that really speaks to you, there's you know, there this is a person to absolutely look towards um as a, a mentor, a pillar in the community, um, and all of those other things. And if you're like me and you love maps, but you are bad at making maps and you don't want to make them, this is a fantastic resource. Work smarter, not harder, people. I mean, there's and like like I said, there's versions with and without text. Like your entire campaign and world could be five dollars away, and it's literally a VTT built map pack. Yeah, so. I mean, heck, you're buying a D and D book for four hundred and fifty five dollars these days. You know, inflation. Am I right? So why not go and pay five dollars for an awesome map that you can download? Yeah. In some of it, there's a version of Greyhawk. There's a version of Chult. There's Corvale. There's, I mean, anything you could conceivably want is probably available here. So go. Go, dear listener. Do it. But with that, we'll turn out the lights and head out of the gym. But before we go, I want to implore you, the listener, to join the forums, the Discord, Twitter, X, Technically, we're on Blue Sky, but not a lot of people are. It's kind of like shouting into a void. And anywhere else you can find us and take part in these challenges, exercises, and other amazing conversations to be had. To do that, head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some DMnastics so your players don't ask, do you even lift? <laughs>